0: Girlwise is a safe space to learn and discuss all kinds of topics through anecdotes and evidence based research. I'm your host, Brenda Nicole, and welcome to Girlwise. Hi, guys, welcome back to Girlwise. So, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction and romance books lately for all of my book clubs. I'm actually about to start reading Fourth Wing. And this has made me reflect on fictional men written by women. After many cheesy romance, action-packed, and adventure novels, I started to notice similarities between all these paper men until it became quite easy to spot when a male character was written by a female author. It's affected quite extensively how I view both men in real life and I've begun to unpack how the female gaze works. I mean, every time I read about one of these fantasy men and how attractive, romantic, and thoughtful they are, it takes me completely out of the story because of how unbelievable, at least to me, their actions are. All I can think as I roll my eyes is, real men would never do something like this. Or would they? Hey everyone! Before we begin, I wanted to give a clear and important disclaimer to ensure that listeners understand the limitations of the advice given on this podcast. I am not a professional or expert on the topics being discussed, and you should always use your own judgment when it comes to where you stand on a subject and making decisions. While I do my best to direct you in what I think is the right direction, it is always wise to consult with a qualified professional when seeking advice on a particular issue. References will be in the show notes so you can take take a look at the places I'm getting my information from as well. You know your own story and situation better than anyone else, so do what is best for you always. Thank you so much and enjoy this episode. One of the things that really highlighted this idea for me was all of the dual point of view books that are quite popular nowadays, especially in the romance category. It adds another layer when we're no longer seeing the male character from the female protagonist's point of view, but are inside the male head reading their thoughts. It's in these books that I could not suspend my disbelief because of how tame and respectful their thoughts about their love interests were. Even when they were thinking about ripping their clothes off and how attractive they were, there were details that I've never seen a man notice or even care about. I'm pretty convinced that, though I don't want it to be that way, it might be wishful thinking from the female author. All of this can be led back to the female gaze, which is defined as the ways in which women and girls look at other females, at males, and at things in the world. This concerns the kinds of looking involved and how these may be related to identification, Objectification, subjectivity, and the performance and construction of gender. When reading about this topic, I came across an article that used the term female vantage point, and I think that's what makes these books so enjoyable. In most of the modern romance books, made to be lighthearted and as a way to escape reality, Their world has literally been changed so that the female protagonists can fully indulge themselves in romance without the constant threat to their safety because these men have been completely formed to be respectful without a hidden bias. And that is one of the biggest differences, I think, between the female and the male gaze. The most potent form of the male gaze strips the woman of any power and control she has over herself so that she becomes only what the man wants of her, while, on the other hand, the female gaze in writing makes men safe. Even in the most pick-me books, there is a sense of safety from the man for that female character. Jeanette Vincent Doe, a professor of film studies at King's College London, talks about the reciprocity of the female gaze or how it can counter the imbalance that is thought to corrupt the male gaze. Quote, there is more of an equal power relation between the person depicted and the person depicting, which is to me a feminist gesture. End quote. This once again highlights that men want more control and women want safety. Maybe due to the fact that in order to control, the patriarchy takes away women's safety. Also, let's talk about more control. They already have and have had all the control. And men want more? So while pondering this, my curiosity got the best of me and I looked up the best rated smut or romance books on Goodreads written by men. I mean, I can't just assume that these book men are completely unrealistic. I have to give a real man a chance to prove me wrong. So, I read one of the top-rated ones, and oh my god, it was just as bad as you think. Unreadable. I was not able to read more than two chapters, and the book was only like 90 pages long. It had all the themes that you could expect, like not seeing women as real human beings, knowing that they were super smart, much smarter than the protagonist and his buddies, but never truly being equals, And what they did sexually being much more important anyway, wanting to take all the control the main love interest had over her life to save her because she didn't know what she was doing. Knowing that the men had all the economic power so they could manipulate women into doing whatever they wanted because they were desperate for economic stability. And the list goes on and gets worse. And this was supposedly one of the best there was. This literally had like almost four stars on Goodreads. But unfortunately, my hypothesis was proven correct. All of this is to say that after reading all of these books, I found myself quite frustrated with real life men, both from an awakened feeling that I also want these types of romance to be true and to experience them as anyone would, and not understanding Why they're not like that in the first place? When looking at this from a higher perspective, asking men to fully get rid of their misogynistic beliefs or sexist thoughts sounds like the rational path, but in reality this includes undoing hundreds if not thousands of years of these ideals being normalized, enforced, and passed down for generations, and that means an incredible amount of pushback. One article describes this as, quote, There's a discontent in the world of dating, relationships, and a heterosexual romance. It is an acute and perceptible lack of humaneness. This is not to say that men lack humanity, but the quality anchoring most men who are written by women, in real life and in fiction, is a warm sensibility more than any particular set of factors. These are men who are easy to love because they seem to have depth. They listen, and you could imagine them being curious about women in a way that makes them feel seen for who they are. They seem like they are unthreatened by intelligence, vivacity, and success in women. In fact, they appear as though they would actively encourage it, even. This is a figment of dreams, which is what made the men-written-by-women trope one that was worth having a name for. The pioneer of women making sensitive, thoughtful, and worthy partners out of men was a woman who lived more than 200 years ago. And yet, the Austenian quality continues to be pedestalized today, showing how little we've really come in terms of changing expectations around love. The article goes on to question what masculinity should be. Is there a good kind or a bad kind? And, I definitely don't think masculinity should be erased at all. If anything, the books that I've been reading praise masculinity and all the wonderful qualities it can bring out. But the term toxic masculinity exists because anything can be turned noxious if it goes to extremes, becoming overbearing, controlling, or ill-intended. There is also the question of entertainment versus normalizing harmful behavior in books. There are still many female writers who have come under attack because their books romanticize unhealthy relationships between men and women, including violence, physical and mental abuse, and even murder. It was one of the topics that I couldn't come to a clear answer on while reading my last book with the book club girlies. Shout out to them. In the book, the male main character was quite possessive and overbearing with the female lead, which is an all too common trope. And no one seemed to mind it, probably because it is extremely common in this genre. So I began thinking whether or not I was reading too much into it, or if it really was standardizing that this is just something to be expected by men, and it's blurring the lines between damaging behavior for the sake of romance and real healthy relationships. How much did these stories damage our sense of the world and relationships? both by me being disappointed that real men do not compare, and women thinking that real men are going to be as self-restrained and female-centered as the bookmen. How ethical is it to write such stories under the guise of romance and even call it love? Spoiler alert, this type of terrible behavior is not love. How far is too far with entertainment? I mean, I also am completely against the over-censorship of media, including books, so saying that these shouldn't exist is also not right. Clearly, not all men written by women are good men, but they are still the idea of what men look like under the female gaze, one that can be warped with each person's experiences through a world that is ruled by the patriarchy. Nevertheless, generalizing is one of the most harmful takes that we can promote. We have to judge each person by whom they choose to be and what morals they choose to keep instead of projecting other people's evil decisions onto them. While heteronorms and heteromasculinity are our fundamental problems, generalization is not the answer. So I'm going to judge each person individually and take them at face value without imposing my fantasies and knowing that there are billions of people so... I think I will find someone compatible with me and that may resemble a nice, handsome book character. (laughs) So with that being said, it's time for Ask Me Anything, the ending segment of the podcast where you can ask me anything. Today's question is, what do you think about sugar daddies? This is such a complex topic. When I was younger, I used to watch a lot. I don't know why I was so curious to learn about it, but I used to watch a lot of videos about girls telling their stories or maybe even vlogging their experiences with sugar daddies. I thought it was so, I mean, I still do find it very interesting. I think that... I mean, look, it's extremely complex. On one hand, to be able to, you know, have the freedom and not be persecuted by living your life the way that you want to and having two consenting adults have an agreement is, I think, a step in the the right direction. But then on the other hand, you have very messy and not to repeat myself so many times but very complex dynamics between men who are in power and women that have to resort to some sort of sex work in order to be financially stable a lot of the girls that are into the sugar or daddy lifestyle usually need the money for basic needs it's not yes yeah, sometimes they get spoiled with luxury items and vacations and all of these things which if they want that and if they like that, then, you know, they have every right to have it. But a lot of these girls usually entertain these lifestyles because they need money for schooling or their apartment, you know, books or groceries, you know, very basic needs. And so we have to ask ourselves, why they're even being put in that situation in the first place or why these dynamics are even possible to exist in the first place. Instead of shaming the people who are involved, I think we have to go back to the very basics and figure out why young, beautiful women are having to resort to these types of interactions so that they can fulfill basic needs because of how little opportunity is granted to them. And also, on the other hand, why the market is even available. Like, why men pay for company or what has led for men to want to pay for company because of the male loneliness epidemic. So, I mean, it's it's a very complex topic. What do I think about sugar daddies? You know, as long as things are safe, which is also an entire different conversation that the exploitation of women and oh my goodness, it's just, it's so much. And so I think, I feel like under very specific circumstances, it's completely fine. But the second it becomes out of necessity or... You know, there's incredible power dynamics involved or people being forced. You know, the consent is also really tricky because you can be kind of tricked or bribed into doing something. I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that can be an entire different episode. It is all, there's There's a lot to be said. There's many dynamics. And so I never want, I would never want to judge Or especially hate on those girls because I think it's definitely all out of survival. So, And then the very small, small percentage that isn't out of survival. Well, I guess being underneath the patriarchy, it kind of is all under survival. But the very small percentage that is doing it out of a want, you know, good for them. Um, I would I would never have one, to be honest. I that scares me. <laughs> I'm always just paranoid. That's another like issue that I have to overcome is how paranoid I can be sometimes about threats to my physical safety when going out and interacting with people, especially men. So no, I'm I'm way too scared and paranoid to ever enter something like that. Anyways, that's been this episode thank you so much for listening. If you have a question, you can always send it at girlwisepod at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, follow it, rate it, and review it, and I will see you guys next week. Bye!